Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where now we're playing with power, superpower. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. And you can't see the smile on my face for that. Oh my god, I didn't see that beforehand. Ah! You didn't know that I wrote that. That's perfect. Today, I didn't. Yay. Today we're talking about Nintendo, which is why I did that. Oh man, throwback slogans. Anyway. Oh man. Nintendo. Nintendo. Um, I thought we'd start with our history, because it's always a good place to start. And I thought I'd let you go yeah. first. Oh man, my history with Nintendo, um, it's kind of the reason I'm here right now, more than anything else. Uh, like every other kid, I was born in 83, so I, I'm, I'm an 80s kid through and through, and I wanted a Nintendo more than anything else in the world. I was two years old when it came out, and I saw those robot commercials with Rob the Robot, you know, R-O-B, the, the robot companion you could play Nintendo with. Classic. And... Who is terrible, by the way. If you ever played with him, he is just awful. You did not want to play with Rob. It, I wanted it so bad, but we were poor and I couldn't afford it when it came out. But my cousin had an Atari 2600, so he gave me that. And I got hooked on video games at two years old by playing the Atari 2600. The next Christmas, I got a Nintendo and I was completely hooked. I was done forever with gaming. It, it just took over everything. At night, my parents were the same way. And so at night, my parents would stay up late and have duck hunt competitions. That's like awesome. they would post, they would have a note, a notepad on the refrigerator and write their scores down so that they could basically have a, a leaderboard between themselves on duck hunt and skeet shooting on it. And so some of my earliest memories are of these games and my parents just having a good time. Like this is some people have these like family vacation memories that's come up. And for me, it's sitting in front of a TV with Nintendo actually playing with my parents and doing this as a family activity. So it, it, they've become this very positive influence in my life, a very warm and cozy kind of activity for me. And so I, I just my entire life, I love them because of that. I started playing. Uh, well, I didn't start playing, but they when the Game Boy came out, they were doing competitions on Fox 17 out of Nashville. And you could call in, and one of the callers got a Game Boy every afternoon. So I would get out of school, go to my grandparents' house, and use a rotary phone to try to call into Nashville the long distance to try to win a Game Boy and never got through, never won or anything. And then when the Nintendo 64 came out, I wanted uh, I wanted it more than anything else in the world. It was the most wonderful thing. I'd played Mario 64 and Walmart and just, you know, it blew our minds like everybody else. And we did a raffle when I was in the eighth grade. And I will never forget this, that I was absolutely sure that my family was going to win this raffle for the Nintendo 64. I didn't. Benjamin Parker's grandparents won it. I will never forget who won it. Wow. And I cried. I cried so hard because I wanted the Nintendo so, Nintendo 64 so badly I could taste it. And it wasn't even a, a you know, I'm mad at these people or anything. I was sad because I didn't get to play Nintendo until Christmas. Like, this was around August, I think, August or September. And I had, to, whenever it came out, it was like within a month of it releasing. And no one had one. And I just wanted to play it. Like, I wasn't mad I didn't get it. I was just mad I didn't have one at that point. So I was so sad, rather. So I just started crying for it. So Nintendo has made me so happy and so sad. But I'm, I'm there. I, the only one I've never owned is a Wii U. Wow, I uh, that that must be burned into your brain. You remember exactly who won it, and like I'm sure it's just yep. a sense memory. Like you know 
like you just have the feeling from the time i do i know exactly where i was in the gym at etheridge elementary school in etheridge tennessee i will never forget when i didn't get a nintendo 64 it's like trauma i I drive past and just start crying wow i i don't even know how to respond to that um (laughs) well i mean i'm uh, a couple years younger than you but i'm still a child of the 80s and my earliest memories like you know when you think back and you go okay what is like the earliest memory that you have a concrete memory this is the thing that happened i actually remember it and for me it is playing super mario brothers the original one at daycare at my first daycare provider's house I had to have been three or four. Like, this is literally my first memory that I can actually still remember as an adult. And that is lovely. Mario has, like, always had a special place in my heart ever since then. Um, I remember playing all of the NES Mario games and then... When I was a little bit older, my one of my uncles had an NES and he was kind of done with it and he gave it to us. And ever since then, I've owned every single Nintendo console, like everyone. Some of the revisions of ones I have not owned, like, you know, there was Game Boy Advance and then Game Boy Advance had like uh, Micro and SP and like these yeah. different spinoffs. I haven't owned every single revision of every single hardware, but I've owned every Nintendo hardware like I and I will, you know, I will buy everyone. I didn't get the like Game Boy Color, I think, because it played all the same games, or maybe it was the Game Boy Pocket that I didn't. It was a Game Boy Pocket I never got, and things like that. But yeah, every major hardware except for the Wii U, I'm the same way. So I, I mean, I just love Nintendo games. You can only play Nintendo games on Nintendo systems until well, we'll talk about mobile stuff later. But until very, very recently, that was true. And my strongest Christmas memory ever is from getting my Super Nintendo. And I remember, Uh like, most Christmases just kind of blend together. And, you know, they're all, like, good memories and everything. But I remember sitting on the fold-out bed that my grandparents had been sleeping on the night before because it was next to our living room TV. I remember sitting there playing Super Mario World with my brother. And, like, that is my strongest Christmas memory ever. I must have been around 10, give or take a couple years. I don't know how old I was. But, I mean... Nintendo has always provided me with these really strong memories, and I just love the games. I love the systems. So, yeah, we wanted to talk about it. I know I want to talk about kind of where they are right now, because that's that's mm-hmm. what I've been doing most lately, is playing my 3DS, my Wii U. But what about, like, the in-between? How about between those early memories we had and now? Do you have anything major you want to hit? I mean, we had the SNES... There's all of the Game Boy revisions, Game Boy Advance, you know, Virtual Boy was in there, GameCube, the DS. The DS was huge. That was one of their biggest systems ever, if not their biggest system ever. Like, is there anything in there that really sticks out to you? Well, the Game Boy Advance SP is the one that really sticks out to me personally. That is what I consider probably the best handheld that they've ever created because it did what it did perfectly. There was long battery life. You could finally play it in the dark. It had the best library of games, if you ask me, that it finally went back and they did remasters of all of the old all the old Super Nintendo games, all the SNES games, and I and you could f- actually fit it in your pocket. You could put the entire thing and carry it with you and not worry about it being so big and clunky kind of like the DS was, especially the very first Nintendo DS before they did the DSi and DS Lite. That one had the clamshell design, right? That was the first yeah. like Nintendo handheld clamshell design. So it was the Game Boy Advance. It had the the SP had the backlight and it had the clamshell. Yeah. Those were the two major things, right? 
Yeah, that was the major thing because the Game Boy Advance like brought it into it was basically a Super Nintendo in your hand, right. but they still had the the front the the screen that you had to have light to see, and the colors were very very dark on it. That even with direct light, it was honestly kind of hard to see. So you had to have very bright like LED extra light like uh, external light. So it was good, but it wasn't great. When they did the SP, that was when I really felt that Nintendo handheld like like got to the point where it could be the DS. Like, as a precursor to the DS for what its success could not have happened if they hadn't realized what the SP could do. It was also my favorite one. I just love the games on it to be. I still have my SP in my in my case below me right now uh, where I'm sitting. It's in the desk in front of me. I, I love my Game Boy Advance SP, and I've gotten rid of a lot of other ones. But the GameCube was underrated, I think, too. Yeah, I mean, I love the GameCube. Before we jump to GameCube, like as far as Nintendo handhelds, I've, I've done a couple purges over the last few years of just like stuff that I own, you know, and yeah, we did it when we moved out of our apartment and we moved in with family for a little bit when we were saving up for a house. We did it again when we were moving into this house and then we just did another round of spring cleaning like a month ago or so. I've slowly gotten rid of like most of my gaming hardware that I held on to for a really long time. And yeah, the and, you know, I'm OK with it because most of it is on virtual console or emulated or, you mm-hmm. know, you can find a copy of it somewhere else. So many games have moved over to Steam now, like a game I used to play. I'm like, oh, it's on Steam. You know, that happens. I feel like I see old games showing up on Steam all the time now. I'm like, oh, yeah, that game. I used to play that on whatever. But in all of that, I've kept all of my Nintendo handhelds and I do not intend to ever get rid of them. Like I, I love Nintendo handheld systems. They are amazing. So yeah, I just I don't intend to ever get rid of any of my Nintendo handhelds, despite getting rid of slowly getting rid of other gaming hardware. Like I just I think they're amazing. Game Boy was fantastic. Game Boy Advance was fantastic. I mean, DSI was an incredible platform. It did touch screen uh-huh. gaming before we had smartphones. I mean, looking back now, it's not as impressive because we're used to having a smartphone in our pocket all the time. But at the time, right. that touch screen was amazing. It was groundbreaking. And now it feels kind of clunky and dumb because it's a resistive touchscreen instead of a capacitive. Capacitive. Is that what it is? Yeah. Thank you. I lost the word. But yeah, you're right. Capacitive. But yeah, no, I just love them. But you're right. Um, GameCube is also kind of underrated. It did not do well overall, but I loved mine. Like I played a ton I of it. I loved mine. Yeah. That was one of them that I just, I had, I didn't play it a ton because at the same time I had a PS2 and an Xbox 360. But the games that were on there, like Mario Kart Double Dash, I still think is my favorite Mario Kart game that's ever been ever been released. I love Double Dash. Oh, Double Dash is sweet. I mean, they haven't made another one like it, but co-op no. on the same cart, that was that was crazy. I still go back and play it every once in a while. I can't find my copy. It's lost somewhere. I, I'm I'm so sad because I can I could play it in the Wii and I can't hook and I, I have a GameCube and my Wii still both and I do not know where my Double Dash uh, CD is, so I'm going to have to rebuy it to play it again. And my wife and I love playing that one together. Yeah, well, that and um, Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Like, Brawl is held up as the pinnacle of the Smash Brothers series. I like okay. almost all the Smash Brothers games for different reasons, but that's the one that got like the most competitive play. That's the one that turned into its own entire scene in the gaming world. Or, sorry, wait, not Brawl, Melee. Melee. I know Was what I'm that talking melee? about. I've played, like okay. I said, I've played them all, and now I'm confusing them in my own head. Melee. Melee is the one that was on GameCube, and that's the one that had the community form around it. Brawl was the Wii one. 
and I've never liked the Smash Brothers games. I keep trying to like them. I keep playing them when they come out, and it's just not my kind of game. I want to like them, but I see why people like them. I just don't. For me, the uh, the console I'll never get rid of, though, is the Super Nintendo. And for I have so much of it tied in with memory because it wasn't my console. I begged for a Sega Genesis. During the 16-bit era, I had begged and begged and begged for a Sega Genesis, and we got one. And then it was a disappointment in a lot of ways. And I wanted a Super Nintendo, and I never, I, I didn't want to ask my parents for one. But my dad went to Sears, and every time we were at Sears, he played Star Fox. He Ooh. loved it so much that he started saving his money. Like, they, he started putting back to buy the Super Nintendo so that he could play Star Fox on it. And I will ne- I still have it. It's in my storage room, and it still works. I will never, ever, ever, ever ever get rid of that Super Nintendo because it was my dad's and he is the only reason that I have it. And I have always kept that uh, because I just love the fact that the only reason I ever got one was because my dad wanted Star Fox. Dude, that's awesome. That's such a good like story. I wouldn't get rid of that one either. I totally get yeah, why never. you can hold on to it. So those were, I mean, kind of the in-between ones. I played a lot of DS in um, yeah. college, like end of high school, you know, first couple of years of college. I remember playing a lot, but I also don't have a ton of games on DS that I can point to and be like, oh, that one was amazing. I just remembered that at the time it was groundbreaking and I loved it and I played a ton on it. Yep. I loved the very first, it was Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow was my very favorite game on the original DS. The very first Castlevania game they did with a touchscreen because you could do, you could use the stylus to make, we had to fight, you had to basically seal bosses in and use, and use the touchscreen to, to basically do the ritual to do it. And it was fun. I liked that one a lot. I beat it during a production of Midsummer Night's Dream backstage. See, and this is the coolest part is that like they have left such an impression on you and I that we remember where we were and what we were doing and what was going on in our lives while we were playing these games on these different platforms. You know, like I think we'll eventually have to swing back around to this and I would love to do an entire episode about just like super nintendo games because i think you and i both played a ton we could probably talk about that for a whole episode oh yeah there is no way we could not talk about super nintendo games for a for a full episode but i mean today we're kind of trying to get to the current gen and talk about where it's at and as far as those sense memories go as far as having these like crystal clear you know images in my mind i played so much Wii sports bowling in college (laughs) that I mean, I'm just always going to remember, you know, the roommates I had, the room that we were in, in this like little, you know, broken down, not very well maintained college house that we had for the year on lease. And I don't know, it's it's a great memory. Like I brought that Nintendo Wii into the house and I was like, hey, guys, you want to check this out? You know, you can do bowling with the motion control. And within a week they were hooked. And then it wasn't my Nintendo Wii that year. It was like the houses, you know, if I had moved. But that's that thing, what you want with something like that. That That's why you bring a console into a house is you want it to become the, the house Nintendo. You, oh, yeah. Because that's what Nintendo stuff does. That's what they're so good at. They It's not like the the Xbox, like, ah, oh, this is, you know, this is Void's Nintendo or this is Void's Xbox. It's like, no, nah, this is our Nintendo. You want to go and play the are we it, it always becomes communal with everybody's yeah and i <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't ever forget we got really good at it right and with wii sports bowling once you got good at it all you need to know was your like bowling stance and how to throw it because if you did the exact mm-hmm. same motion every time you could get a strike one night we were you know 
in the house just drinking and one of my roommates had his controller around his wrist you know i made sure they used the little <laughs> wrist straps so that we wouldn't accidentally like crack our tv but he had gone upstairs to like do something in his room and we all just yelled up at him that it was his turn he's like okay i got it and he just bowled from upstairs like without being anywhere <laughs> near the tv you know and he got uh, a strike it was just a perfect strike we were like yeah we we are pretty good at this game yeah, you guys played entirely too much Wii bowling. That that was way too much. How about you? Did you play the Wii at all, or what? Did that I one love kind of miss the you? Wii? Okay. Oh, I love the Wii. I love so much about the Wii that that it was it was my number two at that point. Yeah, I, I tended to I tended. That's not the word. I, I, that's not a word. I played so much of the Wii. It wasn't my main console that I had. Because, but it was always secondary. I loved games like Mario Galaxy. I absolutely loved things like uh, what was it? Uh, Mario Sunshine was that, or was that GameCube? That was GameCube. Okay, Sunshine was GameCube, and I remember we got Wii Fit. My wife and I reg- actually registered for the Wii Fit as a part of our wedding present, and wow. we wanted it. it. Was supposed to be so fantastic, and we got one. One of our friends got us the Wii Fit, and so I was I was mega overweight at this point, and I thought that I was going to use this as a way to lose weight, you know. So I get on, and I can do it, and it has these running things and all this, and it's actually a, a pretty good workout, especially when you're that big and you don't know how to do anything else. So. I was I was sweating and decided to make my make my little me. Well, I make it and instead of being the normal sized me, we fit looked at me, saw that I was 310 pounds and bloated my little me into oh, where no. he looked like like seriously, he and they, they made him super round on there, just this I'm, I'm Augustus Gloop kind of kind of just big fat blueberry chocolate man and it was it was it was awful so i got really mad actually that as i lost weight and did this over the course i'd lost 50 pounds and i went back to the wee fit and i was like surely they're gonna make my little uh my little fat guy make him much skinnier now so i went because i'm much skinnier now i went in and he didn't change a bit they're like you haven't been working out a lot have you and i'm like i hate you we fit so i went back at 190 pounds and i logged in to see what it was because i was giving up on it i wasn't going to use this because this thing made me feel bad about myself at 190 pounds where i'm fairly fairly fit at this point i'm a runner i'm just i just have the last little bit of my weight to lose again i have an entirely new wardrobe lifestyle everything i go on the Wii Fit still called me fat. It still made me huge at 190 pounds. And I'm like, oh, the Japanese standard of being healthy weight was so different from what I was at in the American standard of being at a healthy weight. It made me and it hurt my feelings so bad that I've never put turned it on again. Oh, man. I'm just I'm I, like laughing over here, but I also feel bad for you at the same time. <laughs> I just... All I wanted was for my me to be a little bit smaller. That's all I wanted, Nintendo. That's all you wanted in life at that moment. <laughs> yes, it was like it. The Wii legitimately hurt my feelings. A computer bullied me. Wow. Nintendo what, what is a, a bully. Yeah. Thanks, Nintendo. You're why I have body image issues. And with that happy thought, um, let's move on to current gen Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how else to transition that. Um, I don't either. So let's let's hit the Wii U really quick. I feel like the Wii U has not lived up to its potential. Despite that, I love it. Like I, I need to. Those two thoughts are very solid in my mind. It has not lived okay. up to its potential, right? It has a gamepad. It talked about 
being able to use the gamepad for asymmetrical gameplay, being able to do mm-hmm. unique games that you wouldn't ever be able to do on any other platform because you have this separate gamepad, and they have not delivered on that at all. They finally got a couple games out this year, which is basically like we're like the the Wii U is dying, guys. This is it. This right. is the end. Like it's going to start going on super sale. The new console is going to be out next year. This is it for the Wii U, and we got Star Fox. And we got the, I mean, we got Star Fox and we got Star Fox Guard. And that's, that's it. That's what we got that actually yep. is unique to the gamepad. So that part didn't live up to its potential, but it's still a Nintendo console and they still released a whole generation of Nintendo games on it. And for that, I love it. It's fantastic. And I've bought like all of the major Nintendo releases on it. Um, I don't think I've ever bought a third-party game on it because why would I when I have so many other better options and consoles to play those on? But, you know, all the Mario games like Smash Brothers, Mario Kart 8, um, Super Mario Maker is maybe the best game of this generation across all platforms. And I'm sad that more people haven't played it because most people don't own a Wii U. And now with my kids, like, that was my kids' first console. And it always will be, was the Wii U, you know? They get up in the morning and like they'll get themselves downstairs and, you know, maybe half of mornings I walk down there and they're playing Wii U together. It's awesome. You know, they're playing Mario Party or Smash Brothers or Mario Kart. And it's just so cool to see them latch onto Nintendo the way that I did when I was that young. And that's lovely. That, that That's one of the things that the Wii U does super well that I've noticed from people I know who have them. The kids love them. That they don't have these preconceived notions of what a Nintendo console should be and what a next-gen console should be. That they see, this is Nintendo, I'm going to play the Wii U. So they're playing whatever the Lego games are. I have a nephew who is playing, I've, I've sat and played Lego DC, one, Batman, Lego Batman 3. And it's awesome. Like, it's a great game. But it doesn't do anything specifically on the gamepad or anything else. It just It's just another controller, which is why I never ended up buying the Wii U myself. It's the first of the Nintendo systems that I didn't get. Because while you said it hasn't lived up to its potential, I never saw that potential to begin with. I thought that it was a wasted opportunity for Nintendo to really have a truly next-generation console. And that unlike the Wii, that where the motion control was a gimmick that they integrated into pretty much everything about the system, the gamepad was too much of a gimmick. It was it didn't feel like it was an evolution of control. It felt like it was almost we just want you to have this second peripheral that you're dealing with. And they wanted it to be a DS in the home and it it wasn't. I never saw that as being something that we needed and there hasn't been a single game on the on the system. Well, excuse me, I'll take that back. There is a single game on the system that I would buy it for, which is Mario Kart 8. That is the only game on the system that I consider a system seller, but I can't justify the cost because the other games that are on there as great as they are and as great as I know as much fun as I know that I would have playing them, they don't seem like it worth paying that much money for just a handful of games that I want. Yeah, and I can see that. I mean, if you look back at the actual timeline for like when it was developed and when it released, it was basically developed right around the time the iPad was coming out, but had not gained popularity mm-hmm. yet. So 
they saw that people were using the, uh, these other screens. You know, people were starting to use smartphones. People were starting to use tablets, but it hadn't been adopted widely yet. So they go in and go, oh, we're going to make a groundbreaking product. We're going to make a console that has a tablet integrated into it, right? And by the time that product was finished with development, by the time the Wii U came out, all of us basically were using tablets already. We were using second screen experiences, you know? By the time the Wii U came mm-hmm. out, like there were PS4 games that had a second screen experience with your iPad or with your phone at the same time you're playing the game. So they can do exactly what Nintendo was saying. Oh, we're the only ones we can do it. Um, right. Okay. It seems like they just missed the mark with the timing. If this system had come out like, I don't know, two years earlier, it might have been groundbreaking. But it, it missed its window. That's true. Like you said, your kids love it. That it's their first Nintendo system and you can't. And I've seen that, like I said, I've seen that too. So at the very least, it's a win for them. Oh, yeah. I I do not regret buying it at all. I I mean, I love it. I've totally got my money's worth. Um, I've loved the games I've played on it. Like all the latest iteration of all the Mario games, they're just as good as ever. You know, the platformers, the 3D platformers, right. 2D platformers, you know, Mario Kart 8, Mario Party, like everything that you know and love from Nintendo games, it's here on this platform. But I, I do know why people have not picked it up because it didn't live up to the potential of the gamepad. At the same time, it is my kid's first gaming system and I'm always going to love it for that. Like no matter what, you know, they have such a good time with it and being able to like sit down and play games with my kids is just amazing. I don't really have anything to add to that because I don't have the console. So yeah, I will actually what I do want to see about the Wii U is for the NX if that's what they're calling it or whatever it actually becomes, I hope that there is a Wii U emulator or backwards compatibility because I want a Nintendo system to play some of these games and I don't want to be locked into buying a super bargain Wii U to keep up with them that I want to be able to play them in the future at some point. And I'm really hoping that that's a system seller to me. If the NX allows me to play Wii U games in and some see- capacity. So many of the games do not require the gamepad that I think that could be a real possibility, but they wouldn't be able to. Okay, the thing is, like, they've started to build out their virtual console service. And if you don't know what that is, mm-hmm. I mean, I think you do because you have a 2DS, but other people listening right. who might not know what it is. Um, the virtual console is basically like a Nintendo branded, like, they they made it, they perfected it. It's their own emulator for their own systems. And it integrates perfectly with whatever system you're playing it on. So on the Wii U, you can play Super Nintendo games. You can play N64 games if they have released that game. And that's kind of the key is because Nintendo is so perfectionist that they haven't released that many games on Virtual Console, even though the ones they have are like perfect ports. Like, I mean, if you've ever tried to emulate on PC and then you turn around (laughs) and you go play a Virtual Console game, you're just going to be blown away by how like perfect their emulator is. And so they've started doing that with the virtual console. I don't think what they would be able to just take a Wii U game and plug it into whatever future version of the virtual console there is because of that gamepad wouldn't be there, you know? Yeah. Um, They would probably have to actually like redo a lot of the game's code to ignore the gamepad, which isn't it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I don't think it's going to be a super easy port either. 
Well, how does the Wii U gamepad actually connect? Is it Bluetooth? Because I know with the uh, Wii that you could just plug in a GameCube controller. It had GameCube ports on top of it. They used the same port for controllers. So that's always an option to be able to pair a Wii U gamepad with it that you buy separately. Yeah, it's actually Bluetooth. So Okay, it's, so it's possible at the very least. It is possible. I mean, it'll it'll be interesting to see what NX is, and I want to speculate a little bit more. Yeah. But first, the other current-gen Nintendo system is the 3DS, which is really the 3DS, the 3DS XL, the new 3DS, and the 2DS. So it's kind of like the 3DS right. family. I didn't pull the trigger right away on this one. There was uh, like a first iteration and then there was the first like mainline iteration, which is what most people have. And then they did the 3DS XL. Mm-hmm. I, I actually waited all the way until the XL started to go on sale for bundles. Really? Yeah. So like I said, I always end up picking up Nintendo systems. But like I said, when we were talking about VR, I'm not usually an early adopter anymore unless I'm really, really excited for what it has to offer. So I have um, a 3DS XL that was bundled with Mario Kart. And mm-hmm. I waited a, a long time until there was like, I think it, it was probably a Black Friday deal or a Christmas deal, something where I got it for a really, really good deal. And ever since then, like the 3DS is probably my most played console right now. I bet I have more gaming time on PC because I do a lot of PC gaming. Right. But compared to the PS4, the Wii U and the Vita um, and I guess there was some overlap when I was still playing my PS3 and my Xbox 360. I'm pretty sure I have more gaming time on my 3DS than any of those. It's because it's a fantastic system. It's, it, it really is their best system right now in terms of quality of games that are available, the library of games that are available, and just the longevity that I can still see the system with them just having released the new 3ds there's no reason not to at least get a, a get one of some kind because even if you don't have a new 3ds there's only a handful of games that require the extra chipset that it has yeah and i mean this is like okay so my my kids first system was the wii u between the two of them and then when my daughter saw I was playing with my 3DS all the time, she was like, can I have one of those? And I said, uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's breakable. It has the 3D thing and you're not supposed mm-hmm. to let the kids use the 3D um, because it, it might potentially hurt their eyes or something. And, you know, it has the clamshell design. I'm like, this is super breakable for a kid. And right around <laughs> yeah. the time when she started asking about it, they released the 2DS, which is made of all plastic. It doesn't have a hinge on it. It's a lot cheaper. It doesn't have the 3D in it. Like, they basically finally made a model for kids with the 3DS infrastructure or architecture, I should say. Right. And right around the time she turned four, we got her a 2DS. And, you know, I hesitated at first because I didn't know if I wanted them to have access to video games all the time. And this is something my wife and I went back and forth on for a while was what do you do with screen time, right? Because so many parents are like, oh my God, my kid can't have screen time. They can have one hour of screen time a day forever. And we decided once we started realizing that our kids were using like our phones and our iPads a lot, we weren't going to restrict technology. We live in a technological world. They need to learn how to prioritize life and have technology around all the time. And this is a discussion that we could talk about this for a whole hour too. But basically, basically, if you let them have full access to the technology, just like you would let them have full access to their shelf of toys, 
they just start to treat that as another thing they can do instead of putting it on a pedestal and making it, oh, whoa, I always want that because it's the special treat. Oh, okay. So like about a month after we let them just have full access to the iPads, it became just another toy. It became just another activity, you know? And that's why I said when they come down and when I come down in the morning and I see them, you know, hanging out in the morning, you know, about 50% of the time they might be playing the Wii U. Um, the other 50% of the time, you know, they're just playing together with their toys. Like they make their own decisions and they do a variety of things, you know? If they, like if my daughter's on her 2DS and I go, hey, you want to go outside for a walk? She's like, yeah. And she puts it to sleep right away and we walk outside. It's no big deal because I figure as a parent, I think it's my responsibility to teach them how to live in a world with technology and no one to pause it, no one to put it down, no one to have a conversation. You know, I think that's fantastic because you're right that it's super important that they need that because we didn't have anyone teach us that. That we are this first generation of people who had to learn it on our own rather than having a a group of parents, of adults, of peers who knew exactly how to deal with it as well. We learned firsthand. Our parents had to muddle their way through technology getting to this point that for good or bad, whatever decisions our parents made regarding screen time, how much we played video games, it was really that first kind, first time that any parent had to make that decision. And you learned what worked really, really well for you, I'm assuming at that point, that you that you can talk to your kids about this, that that it's something that you have an expertise in that that, that you can you can actually share that with them where our parents couldn't do that, that there are a lot of people even now who the students that I deal with uh, are college age and they come in and they've their parents are anti-technology. But because you are so pro-technology, you're able to see it for what it is, that it's not this magical this magical creation that that is going to solve all of our problems or ruin all of our lives. You see it as a tool just like anything else, like you said, with their toys. And you can teach that to them as opposed to some of the 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 technophobes who think that they're or technophiles who think it's the be all end all uh, or of these extreme ends where I think that's great. I think more parents, honestly, I'm not saying this just because, you know, we're friends. I think that that's the way more parents should approach it, because I don't think a lot of people give their kids enough credit for that because we figured it out. Why couldn't why can't this generation? Yeah. And I mean, honestly, part of it is also, I mean, I want to head off the problem that I've heard a lot of other parents tell me who have kids that are a little bit older. And they say, like modern day right now, the reality is your kid is going to have a smartphone in their hand that is their own personal smartphone by the end of middle school at the latest. Most Mm -hmm. kids have it. I mean, I've talked to teachers. I've talked to other parents. Most kids have a smartphone by the end of elementary school. The vast majority will have it sometime in middle school. And when they get that first like smartphone or that first smart device or whatever it ends up being, I've heard a ton of parents tell me that like their kids just don't pay attention to them. They won't ever put it down. They're always texting like they don't know how to shut it off and do other things. So I want them to learn early that there are times where you have to put down your technology and like be part of the family. You have to talk to me. You know, you have to go do something else. Go, you know, go on a walk, go do something something different and like not always be locked into technology that's awesome anyway that's my parental tangent i could talk about that more we could probably make a whole show out of some of that stuff 
I want to get back to the 2DS, um, the 3DS stuff. Like my daughter has one. Um, my son is probably going to have one soon because he's approaching that age. And I love playing games with them on it. Like um, my daughter and I will play Mario Kart 7 or we'll play um, Super Smash Brothers. There's a couple other games too. But one of the coolest things about her getting it is watching like how much effort she will put into beating a game and i remember Mm. like i I had kind of forgotten this as an adult who's very versed in video games i can sit down and i can plow through a game super fast because i have you know almost 30 years of experience with video games yep (laughs) but i remember as a kid like games lasted a lot longer and now that i see her like she this week okay this week she beat luigi's mansion dark moon she has been working on that for six months and to see a five-year-old devote her time and energy and keep coming back despite being frustrated despite failing over and over and over because that's what it is every time you lose is a failure right right yeah i want her to learn you have to keep working at it you know to accomplish a goal you have to keep getting back to it you know if you're frustrated put it down for the day or go do some research like she has learned how to research things on the internet and on youtube because she's been playing luigi's mansion dark moon and really yeah like it, it has expanded to all of these areas of life that i didn't realize it was going to get into like she wants to watch a video for how to beat a boss because she can't do it and she's frustrated and she's looking for a solution so i'm watching her wow. learn problem solving and researching skills and perseverance and dedication all because she's playing video games. These were all things I suspected from being someone who plays video games, but I didn't really know from this side, from the parental side, until I could watch her do it over the last like couple years here. That that is amazing. I am I'm just in awe that she's able to go find the videos and watch boss kill videos and, and apply those strategies to what she's doing. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's super cool to watch. So, I mean, the, the 2DS is a really cool system for kids. Um, I love my 3DS. Like, I listed a ton of games here, and now I don't even know if I want to try to get into any of them because we're getting close to our time. But, like... And I have a 2DS, and it was actually my wife's 30th birthday present. That's what she wanted for her 30th birthday. And so I say I have it, but it's actually my wife's. We basically share one. It's hers. And I love the thing that, that we she got it because she wanted Lego games and and various things like that that she could play and superhero games and scribble knots. And those are the kinds of games that she likes. So the 2DS was absolutely perfect. It wasn't absurdly expensive. It didn't, like you said, it wasn't terribly breakable. So we weren't afraid that we were making an investment in something that honestly, we're kind of like kids in that, that we're going to break stuff, (laughs) both of us. So having something that was sturdy enough that we know is going to last was a big deal because we don't treat every last thing in the world like it's made out of glass. And it's great. The 2DS is a magnificent system that I actually like holding it better than I do the 3DS. I haven't played a lot with the 3DSL. But I like holding it because it doesn't make my hands hurt. And I have very small hands. I have kid-sized hands, and, and, and it's sad, but my hands are very tiny. I wear a women's small and gloves to give you an idea of that. So my hands are perfectly sized for the 2DS as well. So I really like it, where a lot of, of the, th- the 3DS XL and stuff is hard for me to hold sometimes. Yeah, I like I like the form factor of the XL a lot. Um, the 3DS XL ended up being like the perfect console for me because i think i would have gotten frustrated at the one that was right before that like the normal size it was a little bit too small but i've really liked the one that i have and 
like I've played so many games on it. I mean, I have the whole list here, but like every Mario, you know, all of the Mario games that you know are out there, the 2D and 3D platformers, the Mario Kart, the, you know, Mario Party, there's stuff like Luigi's Mansion, Dark Moon, um, there's all the Nintendo regulars around the system. There's Smash Brothers. There's a Star Fox on the system. There's um, Pokemon, which, you know, Pokemon could be a whole right. podcast too. There's Bravely Default, which is an exclusive to the system. And it's probably one of the best JRPGs I've played in the last 10 years. It's really, really good. I'm you know, eventually going to get into that one. I have a friend who's who's offered to let me borrow it, and I just haven't borrowed it because I haven't taken the time to set it aside, set aside the time in order to play it yet. But I want to play because I keep hearing such wonderful things. Yeah, and then I mean, the other Nintendo staples like Animal Crossing has two games on there. Um, you know, Kirby. There's things like all of these indie games that have come out on the system, like Steam World Dig, Steam World Heist. Um, I mean, I know I talked about Pocket Card Jockey the other week <laughs> that I've been yeah. playing a lot of that. Like, that's a little $6 indie game, and it's really good, and it's only on 3DS. And Shovel Knight, oh, man, Shovel Knight is... Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of the best 2D platformers that I've played since Super Nintendo era. I mean, it basically is a Nintendo or Super Nintendo era platformer, but brought up to modern standards. It just blew me away when I played Shovel Knight. And like all of these are so, on 3DS. So with this, that idea that there's these indie games on there that you can't play on anything else, as a developer, what is their what is the benefit of being a Nintendo exclusive for the 3DS as opposed to going completely mobile on uh, iOS and Android and let's say Steam? Like, is it a better environment for them to develop in? What is the because I can't imagine that you're going to be that there's much of a profit that you're going to be make just from being on the 3ds so a lot of these have since come out on other systems not all of them but a couple of them like shovel knight you can get that a bunch of places now besides that i mean benefits you get are buttons which sounds kind of dumb but if you think (laughs) about it like if you're releasing a mobile game you can't assume your player has a controller you know true i mean you otherwise you could release it on console and you know they have buttons but then you're tied to them sitting down in their living room playing it and if you release it on PC, they might have an Xbox 360 controller hooked up to their PC because a lot of people do now. But, you know, your control scheme is different. So I think I don't know because I'm not a professional game developer. Um, but from what I've heard, because I listen to a lot of news and a lot of interviews, I think one of the key things is being able to have a mobile platform that has buttons. It's as simple hmm. as that. I never would have thought about that. That's how disconnected I am from that. I never would have thought about buttons being a big deal, but you're absolutely right. So 3DS, probably one of my favorite consoles ever. Coming up around the corner is the NX, though. Mm. And I know we're getting closer to our time, but I just kind of wanted to speculate a little. I mean, we don't know what the NX is yet, but we do know that it's coming out next year. We know that it has one official game announced for it, the new Zelda, which was going to be Mm -hmm. the Zelda that was supposed to come out a couple years ago for the Wii U. And it's now getting two versions of the game. One of them is going to be on Wii U. One of them is going to be on NX. So I don't know why you would buy the Wii U version if you're going to buy the NX anyway. But it tells us that it must be similar enough that the game can be played on both. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, the other main speculation that has been going around ever since they first announced the NX is that it might be a hybrid console. They might be trying to do something where instead of having a 3DS library and a Wii U library, you have the NX 
And part of that is like some kind of docking station that you come home and you throw your handheld into and you play the games in HD at home. And then you just pick it up when you go out and throw it in your bag and you have your entire system on the go. And I think that one sounds really interesting. That would be awesome because that was what actually made me like the idea of the PlayStation Vita that never got off the ground, really. That the idea of the the being able to continue your game wherever you are, that it's a great idea that didn't go anywhere because that was how the Vita was initially advertised. And again, the potential that didn't get lived up to. Right. And all of that is speculation. Like, I would love to see Nintendo's take on some kind of console slash handheld hybrid. I think that could be really cool. Um, and I bet if anybody can do it, it would be Nintendo because yeah. they're the ones that take the gimmicks and make them work most of the time. Forget about the Wii U gamepad because we're not going to talk about that again. But And Virtual Boy. We don't talk about Virtual Boy. Oh, okay. Nintendo has made some gimmicks work, I should say. So I think compared to the other major platform holders, if anybody could make that model work, some kind of hybrid, it would have to be Nintendo. That's That's very true. So sadly, we won't find out about that at E3 because they said they're not going to announce anything about it at E3. They're just going to show off Zelda. But I mean, it's it's yep. coming out March next year. They did say that in an investor briefing. They haven't even officially mm-hmm. announced the system, but we know it will be out by March of 2012. Uh, by March of 2017. <laughs> I know time. Don't worry about it. You do. You un- you understand years real good. Ah. Uh, so then the other thing that's really cool with Nintendo is they're moving to mobile. Like they're they're starting to finally create games for mobile. They're catching up with the times. Um and they have some properties that are going to be really really good fit for mobile. The first game, which if you want to even call it a game, is Mitomo. It was more to just kind of get a game out there and integrate it with their new infrastructure. So they have like the new mm-hmm. My Nintendo account system and their new reward system. And Mitomo is kind of like a really bad social media platform, but I played it for about a week and then I was just so done with it that I haven't touched it. Yeah, I never even bothered because I kind of heard the same thing. And by the time I decided to go download it, I was like, eh, I'll get this eventually whenever the other games start showing up. For me, the most exciting part are the real games that have been announced. And yes, when I heard that Nintendo was coming to mobile before I knew anything about which games would show up. I thought, okay, the best things that they could make a mobile version for would be a new Fire Emblem game, a new Animal Crossing, and Pokemon. And the most recent announcements that we've gotten as of right now are that two of the games coming in the fall are a mobile version of Fire Emblem and a mobile version of Animal Crossing. And that makes me super happy. I love Fire Emblem. It's going to be so wonderful to have a Fire Emblem game because I love them. I love turn-based strategy, and to have that there on just in my phone to be able to pick up is going to be lovely because a lot of the turn-based strategy games that you can get on mobile are really hit or miss. Yeah, and I mean Animal Crossing too. I think like Animal Crossing, when a new one comes out, I've only picked up two or three Animal Crossings ever. Like I Mm. haven't played them all. I'm not huge into that series, but when I do play them, I pick them up, I play them every day for about a week, maybe two weeks, and then just the fact that I have to pick up a separate console and like go into the game, which is so easy, but it it makes it like yep. I don't want to have to do that every day, you know? Right. Whereas if it's on my phone and it's I hit the home button and then I tap on an app icon, like I'm much more likely to play Animal Crossing for a lot longer. 
And then with Pokemon, I mean, there's going to be Pokemon Go, where it's not a traditional Pokemon game, but there's at least going to be a Pokemon property where you use the augmented reality that's been developed by Niantic, I believe, the same people who did... Ingress. I started the Senate. Yeah, Ingress. Thank you. And so the Pokemon Go is what I'm looking forward to. I really look forward to being out and actually hunting Pokemon during in the world. I am cautiously optimistic about Pokemon Go. Um, I think it could be really interesting or it could fail horribly. We will see. But I I really hope that they make an actual Pokemon game, like just a normal Pokemon game on mobile. Because if they're not, they're leaving so much money on the table. I mean, think about all the people who go crazy for Pokemon. If they can have that on their yeah. smartphone, like, do you have any idea how many people will play that game? It will probably be the biggest game ever, ever. And look at all the the like pocket monster kind of mini monster games that are on the the app store already that they're they're everywhere because people want it so badly yeah oh okay well we'll we will keep our eyes on that one and hopefully hopefully they will make a pokemon game nintendo's awesome we're gonna have to talk more about this we'll have to do a deep dive into some of these games we'll have to do a deep dive into super nintendo for sure as a platform because i know we both love it um But for now, we should hit Weekly Geekery. So if you don't know, our Weekly Geekery is where we share what we've been geeking out about this week off topic from our main topic. For me, I just wanted to mention really quickly, there is a documentary I watched called The Barkley Marathon about like the most insane marathon ever. It's an ultra that has like five laps through the Tennessee countryside and it's unmarked and it's like a navigation challenge slash marathon. It's kind of insane. But within 10 minutes of starting the documentary on Netflix, I was hooked. Um, I don't have a whole lot else to say about it besides if you like documentaries or if you are a runner or if you just like crazy things, go on Netflix and check out the Barkley Marathons. Besides that, I've just been playing Overwatch, which I think is what you've been doing too. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And I can vouch for the uh, Barkley Marathons. It's a fantastic documentary. I kind of scour Netflix for running and sports documentaries like that, and running and and food documentaries, I should say. And the Barkley Marathons is right up there with one called Desert Runners, that it's about people who are doing the uh, Marathon of the Sands, I believe, in the Sahara Desert, where you're watching people run 50 to 100 miles in the desert. But it's... It's great, too. So look up uh, Desert Runners as well if you're interested in the same kind of thing. But I like the Barkley Marathons is because I grew up in Middle Tennessee and go travel to I'm going to the area where the Barkley Marathons is it's held in East Tennessee. I'm going there like in a month and a half just for vacation because it's so close, just a few hours away. And I can vouch for if you don't know, there is some really rugged terrain over there. Like I I have hiked a little bit like on a moderately severe trail and can vouch like these people are intense because it's it's good stuff like you you definitely need to watch it and I'm the same way though I've been playing Overwatch Overwatch is is mine because that's what I've been doing this week that it's just such a good game it's in release there are a few things that I fully expect to be nerfed and despite the uh, delay of the ranked competitive play that they announced yesterday or today i can't remember it's a magnificent creation that probably be playing more of it tonight as well it's it's just so good i can already tell it's it's going to become if not already is one of my evergreen games um and i said this in our overwatch episode like i 
at this point, I'm never going to boot up Team Fortress 2 again because I can play this and it's so much better. And it's in the same vein, you know, it's the same type of shooter. It's a team-based, team-objective shooter. It, I'm starting to learn that the game is about hero switching. It's not about yes. finding one hero and being really good with that one hero and sticking with it. The game is about switching to whatever hero makes sense in the current environment or if you're trying to push it past a point or you're trying to capture something you can't quite get to or if their team composition is just really good against yours and you need to switch it up mid-game i saw someone mention that you should treat it as if in another game the way you would switch a weapon you switch weapons all the time to meet the context of where you are in that current game think of switching weapons in other games as switching heroes in overwatch don't be afraid to switch mid-game multiple times. And ever since I started doing that, I started finding a lot more success with it. And along that same line, uh, I saw something that mentioned that the number one problem with with new players is that they hold off on switching until they get rid of their ultimate, that they're either saving up for an ultimate they think may make a difference, or they they are like at 90% and want to run through and use their ultimate before they before they uh, switch, and don't do it. That even if you are at 97% and you need Winston and you have a 97% Widowmaker uh, ultimate, switch. It is going to be better. And once I did that, once I got through the ultimate saving... I started seeing a lot more success as well. That it's it makes a big difference. The hero makes way more way more of a difference in the game than the actual abilities do. And the ultimate I, abilities. I also was kind of surprised how like I okay. I I watched the shorts, the video shorts before I played the game cuz you know that was the mm-hmm. hype leading up to it. And I know we talked about those and how they were really cool, but I didn't really buy into the world. And once I started playing and I realized how much I like this game and I'm going to be playing this for a long time, um, I'm sure I'm not going to be playing it as much as I am right now after a few weeks, but it's going to stay like in my gaming rotation for years. And I can already tell that once I realized that I went back and I rewatched all the shorts and then I read all the comics and then I looked at all of the fan sites and I found out like the Overwatch timeline of all of the lore and I'm so interested in learning more about this world now. They've created such an interesting world with characters that fit correctly in it, and we don't have that much info about it because it's a team-based shooter. Like, you know, there's not a story in the game. You have to go outside the game to find out about it. But I'm I'm kind of amazed how interested I actually am in finding out more about this world. I'm scrolling through this timeline that I didn't know existed until you said that. I clicked the link in our notes and I'm scrolling through it and my eyes are wide that I didn't know it existed already just from the headlines in it. You guys need to go read this right now because it's awesome. That yes. This is going to make me love this game even more. That is, I will have a link in the show notes for my weekly geekery. I will have one for the Overwatch timeline and one for the Barkley marathons. So that being said, we might have to do another Overwatch episode in a couple months and kind of come back and revisit right. it because we both are loving it. Besides that, this is where we yeah. would normally do our health hack. But, it, well, it's your news. I'll let you tell it. But instead of doing a health hack here, I got a lot of really good feedback about the health hacks that I had people telling me that that these are the that they liked hearing that. And I've had the idea rattling around in my mind for a while anyway. So I've launched a Geek Fitness Health Hacks podcast on its own. It is on iTunes and YouTube and Stitcher and Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. It is there right now. You can go listen to the first episode uh, and subscribe and throw a review up. It's there. 
for you to be able to to listen to. I'm aiming for a weekly podcast that that is slightly shorter form than this. I'm aiming for around 15 minutes on it to hit the same kind of points that we did during the health hacks, but go into a lot more detail and work with my work in my own personal journey of losing 150 pounds to be able to show you that, you know, yes, we love this stuff. You guys hear about the stuff that we love here and that I want to talk to you guys about that we can still lead healthy, really fantastically geeky lives and being active at the same time. So head on over to iTunes and look up Geek Fitness Health Hacks, and you can also find it at geekfitness.net slash podcast. And then the other thing that I should mention is that our network continues to grow. I had a friend reach out. He said, can I be part of your network? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And so we have another podcast that launched this week on the Geek to Geek Network. It's called The Comic Box. It's by my friend, Comic Book Rob, who I told you all about in my comic book episode where we talked about all of that. And it's basically every week he reads a ton of comics he'll cover <laughs> that, the way that you said that I, every I, week he reads a ton of comics he, he does i mean that's the core of the show right he reads a ton of comics so he's going to cover like the big news for the week he's also going to cover any big events that are happening actually in the comics and in the storylines already it seems like he's trying to check out almost every issue number one to see what's new out there and make recommendations and like there's one episode out right now by the time you listen to this it'll probably be close to having two episodes of the comic box out i i just love hearing his opinion on it especially because yes. he gives enough context that somebody like me who i have a passing interest in comics which i've talked about but i do not follow tons of comics and i'm not in the nitty-gritty um he explains enough that makes me actually go out and look up a little bit more information about these comics like hmm maybe that is something i want to give a shot which is really cool so the comic box is the newest, well, I guess Shilly, you guys are both the newest at the same time. Health Hacks and the Comic Box are the newest podcasts on the geek to geek network. Um, there will be links in the show notes if you guys want to click through to those. Otherwise, they've been submitted to every major service. You can search for Health Hacks, search for the Comic Box. You'll find us. Subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. Help us get off the ground with those. Besides that, you can always write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address, as always, is geek2geekcast at gmail.com, or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom, that's green mushroom without the E's, on Twitter. I also run the Video Game News Now podcast, which is the other podcast on our network. If you want really quick, top-line headline news for video games, Almost all my episodes are under five minutes. Most of them are like three minutes. So if you want video game news headlines of the day, search for video game news now. I do that one every weekday so far. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's B-E-E-J with two E's. And I host the Geek Fitness Health Hacks podcast now. Uh, you can find it in all your normal podcast places, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and as well as at geekfitness.net slash podcast. So head on over, listen to that, and uh, get geeky. Oh, that was awful. That was perfect. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this <laughs> week. See you next week, geeks. <laughs> 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 <laughs>